0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. Joining me, as always, on a Sunday evening is former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley. And Ovi, we have a hate week win to break down 24 15 over the new Orleans saints that moves Atlanta back into first place in the NFC South. What'd you think, man?
0: I don't, I don't know what to think, man, because I, I was talking to you earlier, these Falcons, it's like a, uh, an old girlfriend that you just can't let go. And <laughs> right when you think like, you know, she's trash and you know, ain't worth your time. She's like, no, no, I still have value. I still have worth. Like, you know, please still date me. And you're like, no, like, you have hurt me too much. Every time I start to believe a little bit in you, you stab me in the back. And every time I get excited, you know, you can throw up a bunch of interceptions. And, you know, every time I think that you can get your act together, you lose to, like, backup quarterbacks. And, you know, you grab defeat for the jaws of victory. And so you're like, I'm done. Like, all the feelings are gone. And then they do this. They win against the dreaded, hated New York Aints not New York, uh New Jersey, not New Jersey. Wow, wow neither so neither of right. those. Um, yeah. New Orleans.
1: The third New Orleans. Yeah, new Orleans okay. Saints.
0: Yes, the, the New Orleans Saints. You you beat the Saints in a big game coming back from a bye week to where fans want to see, like, should I sell my tickets and just get ready for the draft pick, or am I still in this thing? And our division is so bad that we're always still in this thing. So yeah, that's a very long answer to say. I feel uh conflicted. And that's yeah. happy uh, it's a happy conflict it, it's conflicted. totally fair
1: because look when to walk you through I, I was at this game and as i drove in this morning you know i got there about ten forty-five or so i was walking to the stadium overcast dreary cold i wore my pea yep. coat there it wasn't a very yep. lively atmosphere certainly not an atmosphere you would expect for a falcon saints game right where everybody's out tailgating and you kind of got allegiances on both sides, like all in there together. And you feel like any, anything could pop off at any second. And there was none of that. And so then during warmups, they've got this big 50 years of hip hop promotion they were doing in the stadium, which ended up being really cool. But it, it the the energy just felt off. And I was talking to a couple of reporters beforehand, like if this is a low energy crowd, a little bit of a sleepy game do the Falcons kind of sleepwalk through a must win game and like don't show up and we would be sitting here saying oh my god like the season's over right and yeah then i so i already had that feeling kind of in the pit of my stomach as they're going through the the pregame kind of show and and the 50 years of hip-hop that i mentioned they had lined up ti to bring the the falcons out with their bring them out kind of walkout song that they've been using this season and his mic didn't work And everybody saw it on the big screen on the Halo board. They started cheering, losing their mind, seeing TI bringing out with Calais Campbell kind of behind him in the defense, like walking out and they're all getting ready to come. in. And he's just going on his mic and it becomes pretty clear that nothing is coming out of the microphone. So it's silence for like 15 seconds. And in the press box, I start looking around because real quick, you can find out if, if this is supposed to be happening or is stuff really going wrong, people were, it it was clear it was a mistake. So they just started playing, bring it out. And I was like, the Falcons are going to lose this game by 35 points today. Like everything is going wrong. And then Bajan drops a first down pass. And then Chris Olave has a 50 yard. And I was like, this is curtains. So all of that is to say, I, I think that I feel good about this win. I don't feel great, but there are some, big positives to take away from it, there are just also, unfortunately, as there have been in pretty much every game, win or loss this season, some negatives that we're going to have to talk about. And we're going to get into all of that today. But first, the holiday season is often rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. BetOnline is the number one destination for all your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And it's not just the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played. From the MMA to international soccer, those are the only two they gave me, but I assume that there's going to be a whole lot more. And if you have any of them on your mind, head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. online. Where the game starts. So, Ovi, I'm sorry I had to uh, cut us off there a little bit for the ad break, but what, what was your kind of just early instincts uh, about this game when you kind of saw that it was a, a field goal fest, frankly, like to start out and it was going to be an ugly, sloppy game? Did you expect the Falcons to kind of right the ship the way that they did in the second half?
0: No, I mean... Optimistic Ovi left the uh, building <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. So I, I just didn't expect much from the Falcons because I, I, the one thing I did uh, want to see was that I, I called that and, and checked the, the pod a couple weeks ago. I called that they shouldn't be afraid to take Desmond Ritter's uh, starting job from him. He's not, if he's not doing what he's supposed to do. I said, whether Heineke is the guy or not, it's either going to have us have a great quarterback and Chris Heineke, I mean, Taylor Heineke, whatever his name name is, uh, or (laughs) Taylor, yeah, yeah. or Ritter's going to be like, you know what, I got to get my act together. Like, it's going to fire him up. It's going to get his head on straight. It's going to, you know, kind of shake him to where he's like, I'm about to blow a huge opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And hopefully he'll start playing a little better. And so didn't quite get that. We got him playing, you know, uh, uh, finding a way to win. You know, he's he been the same Desmond Ritter he's been all year to where he has good parts and bad parts, and the bad parts is more than enough to to lose the game for us. We didn't have my boy Jesse Bates, you know, fellow, friend of the show Jesse Bates out there yes. intercepting balls, punching out balls, making things happen. We probably would have lost this, and we would have been like, you know, all the optimistic uh, talking heads like us wouldn't have anything to say because all those mistakes that were made, were more than enough for us to lose this game. And we always, when we win, we brush them under the rug. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. We we still won. No, like, we we were given a win because the Saints couldn't get their act together. You know, if, if our defense wasn't so good, the Saints' offense wasn't so mediocre, and Derek Carr wasn't messing up, and the receivers weren't getting hurt, this would have been an L. Like, wait, you could say we played good enough to win, but, like, we, we kind of didn't. Like, we, we, we got lucky. That's that's all it is. We got lucky, and and we had some help from an amazing defense that held them to some field goals. So it, it's hard to be optimistic about this. But but Ritter, I guess that one amazing throw, a guy in your face, that's it's great, you know. But that's that was a big time throw. That was a big time throw. But that's what we expect out of a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Uh, but um, yeah, we we praise people when they do their job. Like my <laughs> my running back coaches always say. Um, I make a huge block. And I'm like, coach, you see that? He's like, yeah, that's your job. Like, I'm not going to give you a the back or throw a parade for you blocking somebody. You're supposed to block that guy. The quarterback's supposed to make the throw. The quarterback's supposed to make the catch. Like, Do that every game, 16 games in a row. Then I'm going to come and be surprised. I'm gonna, hey, you were consistent. But you're supposed to do that. We weren't doing the things we were supposed to do. And that's the reason Falcons fans are pulling their hair out or whatever they have on their head, because we just couldn't be consistent with the positives that we had on either side of the ball, especially offense. So now it's, it's you know, we're happy. But, you know, unless we fix all the mistakes that we have week after week, this isn't going to be sustainable. We, we can't beat good teams like this. And the Saints, unfortunately, is not a good team. No one in the NFC South is a good team. But we
1: can't beat good teams playing like the way we played today. I, I don't really disagree with anything that you just said, except to and we'll get to the defense here in, in one second. I'm gonna uh share for our YouTube crowd uh some of the stats up on the screen for today's game. So while I chat, you guys can be looking at those. But yeah, I, I don't I don't really disagree with, with anything you said. I just I guess I didn't realize that Optimistic Ovi had not only left the building but had been dragged out back and, and beaten to a pole. Like Yeah, like I, I didn't I didn't realize we had gone that far but (sighs) the the only the only thing i would push back on is i don't think the saints necessarily screwed up this game like i think the falcons defense struggled kind of between the 20s but i think they played pretty lights out football in the red zone And, and that can happen a couple of ways yeah you got a couple of turnovers where it looked like the saints probably could have scored on on either of those possession if you don't make if Jesse Bates doesn't make those plays, but he made those plays. And the other three possessions, you know, the AT Perry, just like weird throwaway aside, I think the Falcons kind of buckled down when they needed to. And hopefully that can be a little bit of a metaphor for the rest of the season is that, hey, when your back is against the wall, that is when they kind of step up and play their best football. But I do agree with what you're saying about Desmond Ritter about kind of like, all right, you you made the play. That's kind of what we've been needing you to to do all season. And he called that specific pass backyard ball. And that's a direct quote from him. And I I kind of have been asking to see a little bit more of that from this Falcons offense all season long. Is just sometimes like let the play break down, improvise, do something out of structure. It makes it hard on defenses. We saw that at times with him scrambling and with his legs, which. In the first half was kind of like the most effective offensive weapon for the Falcons was Desmond Ritter's legs on some key third down scrambles. So you're right in saying that this is ultimately not the we beat them down, like we're a different team coming out of the bye week that I yeah. think everybody expected. But this is the NFL, and rarely does that really happen. What I think we saw was a defense that has been slipping a little bit recently, really returned to form in a big way. You saw somebody who is not going to allow this team to lose this game in Jesse Bates, kind of like in week one that he made those plays. We saw a rejuvenated and angry ass Cordero Patterson, which I'll let you speak about a little bit, but let's, let's before we get to the running game and before we get to Desmond, I do want you to, to just, share some love on Jesse Bates a little bit. You mentioned we had him on the podcast. Everybody, please go listen to that. Hear from the man himself. But man, who do we need to have on the podcast this week to get a performance like that uh, against New York? Because man, that was something to see today by Jesse Bates.
0: I mean, it's not a coincidence that we have our Wake Forest uh, connection. You know, Ovi Mahaley, Wake Forest, great. Jesse Bates, Wake Forest, great. Uh, And and have us both just, just, just talk about how – because the question I, I always want to ask every single uh, individual who operates at a high level, you know, what do you do? How do you get there? What makes you special? And, uh, you know, what's the mindset? And I I love his answers talking about, you know, the people who poured into him and, and how he's learned from the, uh, the the great players around him. And that's similar to me, you find some a rabbit, somebody's doing what you want to do, and you copy everything about them, or at least the, the best things about them. I like you take that. It- couple of rabbits and you kind of figure out your own thing. Like how, how do you reach that greatness? Cause it's not easy. And Jesse, I mean he, he came on the pod, he talked about um just how he goes about his business. And then he went and took care of business on the field. He played lights out. Like I see why the Falcons paid money for him. I see mm-hmm. why, you know, uh it, 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 Terry Fontenot just made him a key piece of our offseason strategy. Because not only is he an amazing individual, not only is he a great team guy, not only is he going to make those around him better, but he just has raw talent. Uh, we we got beat down and, and laughed at as being one of the least talented teams in the NFL a couple <laughs> years ago, and, and they were right. We talked about how we just had a couple of guys. We started the podcast. So it was like I don't even know his names. Like these guys won't be here in a year, but now we're, we're starting to get like key pieces of this franchise, like franchise pieces, and Bates is one of them. So. Watching him do what he did was fun. Uh, I was yelling, and my, my kids were like, well, hey, what are you yelling for? Like, That's my guy. Wake us, Demon Deacon, let's go. <laughs> so, man, uh, you know, Jesse, I sent him a little text. I said, hey, congratulations, man. I, I, I should have added to, hey, if you want to come to the pod every week, to we guaranteed this type of uh, production? We'll take it <laughs> every single week. Let's have the Jesse Bates show. or the Jesse Bates section. You know, so uh, it, it, it's, it's great to see somebody that that uh, you rooting for and a good guy get, get his W.
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate given how great his performance was today. They they brought him out as kind of like a media huddle because everybody wanted to talk to him. So I didn't get the chance to go up and, and say, "Hey man, thanks for coming on the pod and all that," like I wanted to, but yeah. It was it was still great to see that performance from Jesse Bates and I uh, I was talking to actually the uh the founder and, and owner of of our podcast network, Believe. Hmm. Uh Bron was at the game. He's, he's brother-in-law to uh, the head coach here in Atlanta and at halftime he and but you know, we wanted to meet up. So I went down and, and kind of met he and his, his wife and kind of the family for a little bit, really gracious, awesome, awesome guy. You know, I'm not just saying that because I guess he's technically my boss. Although Ovi, I for all intents and purposes, consider you my boss. <laughs> um, so you're, you're the boss of me. Uh, sorry, Brown, but, but yeah, he was, he was just talking about kind of the character of the guys in this locker room and in the team. And, and he said something, To the effect of it's it's team captains and it's undrafted players which I kind of like and you almost get them it's guys who have had to work their ass off to get every little bit to kind of like earn their keep and then it's also these leadership guys and to me Jesse Bates is almost Captain America for this team without Grady Jarrett you still have Calais Campbell but Jesse Bates is the impact captain almost now for this defense. Calais Campbell's making plays and stuff but he is definitely longer in the tooth than anybody else. So to see Jesse Bates, again, kind of say, we're not losing this game. I'm making these plays. And then to get hustle plays from everybody who, Zach Harrison, a rookie, made an awesome block kind of running down the the left sideline to set Jesse Bates up, to spring him free for that uh, pick six. It's just complimentary defense. And it was nice to see them return to that after, again, a couple of weeks here where it seemed like that was maybe slipping a little bit from the high level of play that we saw to begin the game or begin the season. I want to flip over to the offense though. And and now let's talk a little bit about the run game because we saw, I think, especially in the second half when they needed to really salt that game away. I mean, the final drive was a thing of beauty and this is the identity. I think the Falcons wanted to get back to, and maybe use the bye week to get back to, what'd you think about Bajan? What'd you think about Tyler Algier? What'd you think about Cordero Patterson? And then we'll talk about the offensive line.
0: Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It it, it was poetry in motion. Uh, as a fullback, like I got got a little teary eyed just just watching. You know that. <laughs> I thought about you offense. so many times today. Oh my gosh! It was like a six minute offense. Like it was like a you know twelve minute <laughs> offense. Like the whole the whole, yeah. the whole second half, we were running the ball as if we were in a four minute offense. And I've been in situations where uh, <laughs> we had like eight minutes left in the game, and Mike Malarkey's, uh, you know saying calling down from the the top and say, hey hey, tell Ov and uh, Michael. We're going into uh, four-minute offense. I'm like, we got we got eight minutes left, coach. He was like, <laughs> we're going to four-minute offense. We're going to hold the ball. We're going to keep the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're we're, we're going to uh, play bully ball. And I I loved it. I just loved it because it was just like it was something about just just the, the pop of those pads and moving those guys and and feeling them. Just the life coming out of them. And you can see on TV how they were handling their business. The whole team, offensive line. We'll get to them, but the running backs. Cordero Patterson, Ty Algiers, and Bijan Robinson were running angry. They should be on the uh, NFL Network's angry runs because, especially Cordero, when he hit the hole, the guy, the slow motion, like, he'll have that stuff forever. I got my uh, NFL film. They sent me uh, all my video, high-quality videos. It's about, it's only 15 minutes, all, all the high-quality video they have for me. But it's, like, stuff in slow motion, and I, I have, like, three different uh, soundtracks to it. Uh, I use it when I do my little talks. I got like two minutes, but
1: it's just that's great so having cool. It.
0: Oh, sl- I didn't know they did that.
1: That's like huge. an awesome thing.
0: It's. It, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's so great. But like Cordell Patterson is just building up an already impressive slate of him knocking people the the heck out. And the guys when they play show the replays, they knew they weren't going to win. They knew they couldn't stop Cordell Patterson. Uh, him, Algiers, even Bijan, but especially Cordell. I know that coming into the season, him and Algiers watching them draft Bijan, putting on the good face like I'm okay, I'm all right, I don't care, I'm just gonna do what I do. <laughs> it takes a lot, and there's a part of you that wants to show them that you still value, you still have value, you still have worth, you still can run the dang ball because they put him to the side. It's been the uh, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algiers show, and you know, yeah. kind of. Understandably so, these guys are are younger than the future of the Falcons. But his chance to show them that he still functions. And at a high level, he took every chance and made sure they realized, hey, we got to put Cordero back in the lineup and find a way to give him some more touches. Because if he's running like that, you can't not give him the ball. So uh, as a fellow old guy, as a guy who (laughs) tried to get pushed out by younger guys, I feel the old man's pain and love the fact that he came out there and, and, and you know, showed him who he is.
1: Yeah, the Falcons, uh, they had it in total 31 rush attempts. Uh, the breakdown was 16 by Bajan, 10 by Tyler Algier, 8 by Cordero Patterson, and then 7 just scrambles by Desmond Ritter. I'm perfectly fine with that kind of usage workload. And I, yeah. I think some games, obviously you could maybe flip Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier. and But by and large, Bajan needs to be the guy yeah. for most of the game. I think they were, it, it, it was very interesting to me, the moments they decided to deploy specifically Tyler Algier and then Cordero Patterson, because they were almost kind of the, the key leverage points in the game. Like you, it, The way I can liken it is when we hear an offense talk about moving between the 20s, but then ultimately like that can just be empty calories if you don't score down in the red zone where it matters. It's almost like Bajan is that between the 20s guy, not not saying that they bring in somebody else in the red zone, but it's just kind of, for most of the game, we're going to use Bajan as our weapon. And if anything pops off, great. But in the two-minute drill, kind of before halftime, in the four-minute drill at the end of the game, that's when we're going to go to Cordero, Cordero Patterson, who can run angry and kind of provide a spark yep. and keep that momentum and almost single handedly just like move a drive forward, which is kind of what he was doing there. Absolutely, what he and did. then
0: I mean, at, at the end of the too. game,
1: yeah. yeah, and then at the end of the game, it's Tyler Algier, just like we're giving you the ball eight times, just go wow. seventy yards, and, and that's what he what he did. I
0: love how they trust
1: their offensive line. I love the way they cut mm-hmm. back. I, I love the way they follow their
0: fullback. You know, majority of the time. It was just again someone who's played the game for ten years, uh, professionally and you know five in college, four in high school. Like I, you just you can see the the ebb and the flow of the offensive line. You can see the levels being created. You can see you know we'll get to the offensive line later, but the the guys you know double teaming and working up to the second level, which is so key and it happens so beautifully. It it, man, it was fun to watch, especially from the eyes of somebody who's played in that position. Not not. Tailback, but you know, within an offense that's running hard, running angry. Man, I I, I text a couple of my guys, uh, Justin Blaylock and uh, uh, you know, Harvey Dahl, Tyson Clayball. I was like, Text, like, you watching this? You watching what our boys doing to the eights? Because <laughs> it's, it's hard to watch sometimes when y- you just get disappointed every single time. So, and some guys, I won't call them my name, but they just don't, don't watch Falcons football. Falcons alumni who just don't watch because they're tired of, of you know, just being angry and getting embarrassed. So, um, you know, I I asked them to see if they watched. Like, I just turned it on, I just turned it on. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was pretty, especially if we got the W, because if we didn't get the W, even all the great things we did, it'd be hard to celebrate those if we're uh, looking at a big fat L.
1: It's so true. But I, I, you know, the offensive line is one of those reasons where I was saying they didn't play great, but there are some real positive takeaways. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to have time for this. Maybe I'll save it for uh, a future pod because I, I like the idea. But, Maybe it needs baking a little bit, but just kind of like a what is real and what is not from this game and, and continuing that forward. And I do think that the offensive line, their performance today is, is realer than yeah. it is not. I, like I think that this is something, because we saw it last season, because they were an underwhelming unit, today's game is what I expected, like all season long. And so to at least see that coming out of the bye week, whether that means they found something they could fix and tweak, or whether it was just, hey, a week to kind of get off, get your head right, get reset, and and start fresh. And these guys are the same five that have started all year long. Like, mm-hmm. there's continuity. There's real reason to believe that this will last. And you're starting to now see the identity of this offense, where it is offensive line and run game driven, as it was always supposed to be. And instead of expanding kind of the passing game, as they were in the recent weeks before Desma Ritter got benched, I like him in this role where he's throwing, you know, 22 passes a game. I know a lot of that is game dependent. And obviously if you, if you don't get that Jesse Bates pick six and you go down 10 to nothing, you have to wonder, obviously we're probably sitting here talking about a different outcome. Oh yeah. But the, the running, the, you know, use of play action pass in the right moments, like all of that probably never happens. But I think that that is the version of this Falcons offense we should expect to see, and hopefully, we'll see moving forward.
0: No, I, I agree. Um, I think it's something that not only is re- not only is it real. I, I think it's going to be the the heartbeat of our team, and one that you know, Arthur Smith coming from Tennessee and and using a uh, big big tailback over there, he wants to duplicate that here, and it's just hard to do that if we're down by. Two touchdowns. Uh, if the defense is not doing what they're supposed to do, and if we're not finishing off these drives, because we can run the ball all day, but if you can't finish it off with, you know, a, a touchdown, then w- what's the point? And you just kill a bunch of clock, and then <laughs> you need to score fast, and you can't always do that running the ball. So I think if we can put ourselves in the right situation, stay ahead of the sticks, it's something that would be great for us to to have as an identity, because I, again, I, I live this this world. Uh, to to the degree you know, Matt Ryan uh was obviously much more talented than Desmond Ritter, but we were in an offense to where Mularkey put run uh, above pass, and, and he was unapologetic about that. And we made sure that they didn't know how they could stop us. Like, Do we stop Ovi and Mike? Do we stop Matt Ryan? Uh, and so they couldn't stop either until we stopped ourselves. <laughs> <laughs>
1: unfortunately, 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 no Super Bowls for me. <sighs> Today felt like a little bit of a, a, a Super Bowl. Yeah. But not not the kind you want to be in. Yeah. Um, I mean, we should have called this time. a super
0: bowl. Like, didn't he call uh what was it? Um the last what was it the last game or game before last? He called it our Super Bowl and we lost it. Oh, that
1: was Taylor Heineke. That was yeah, that was kind of like the Arizona, but that that seemed like a rogue player quote. You know, I, I don't think it, it this coach, felt like somebody, the must Somebody win. said
0: that. Who said that? This is our it,
1: it was bowl. Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Yeah, it was Taylor Heineke.
0: <laughs> he said that genius Yeah, now now he's back <laughs> genius is our super bowl
1: oh my uh, gosh yeah the other the other big quote that uh kind of stood out to me today was Desmond ritter he was asked you know what did he learn about kind of his two games uh you know being the backup and he said that he learned how to be a backup and i was kind of like is is that the lesson is that that's the 1a lesson that you took away is how to be a backup i i mean maybe maybe that'll serve I, I, him I, well I, in I, the I,
0: future th- but there are so many Ritter stands that want to stick with it. And someone asked me, um, uh, I was out today, and somebody recognized me. I was at, at the uh, Sandbox VR, you know, free promo for them. They're they're absolutely amazing. My kids love it. I've been there five times. And one of their people recognized me, and they were like, hey, man, do you think Ritter Ritter's the, the quarterback for the Falcons to take us to the Super Bowl? <laughs> I looked at him. I said, do you think Ritter is the quarterback to take us to the Super Bowl? I said, based <laughs> on what I've seen so far, hell to the no. Now, you know, I guess he's serviceable, but they're like, then, then what? what what is the plan? I said, I don't know what the plan is. You know, I get, I could, he could develop and bloom and blossom and sprout and, you know, get better. Who knows? But if you ask me right now, would I put money on Desmond Ritter leading us to the Super Bowl in the next year, or two or three? I would say, absolutely not. You know, like, then they yeah. asked me, so, so, so what are the Falcons doing? I said, biding time to make a, a big free agent acquisition trade or to, Get Josh Dobbs or to figure out, you know, I'll get somebody cheap because, you know, Terry Fontenot knows how to find a bargain and find a deal. But, uh, you know, sometimes you get what you pay for. So I'm curious to see what we do in the future to get our Super Bowl franchise quarterback Uh, because going the cheap route with uh, the Ritters and Heinekens of the world, that's not going to get us where we want to go. I mean, playoff win. I mean, the playoffs and a win is nice to get Obi to make his prediction come. That, to-
1: that's what I was going to ask you. Do you have confidence in Desmond Ritter to deliver that?
0: Yes, Be- and it's because I've seen the defense and our running game continually get better. So, if he can make his bright points um, more than his low points, high points more than his low points, then then absolutely, he. I, I've seen lesser quarterbacks go to the Super Bowl. I've seen you know we all go to the Trent Dilfer's of the world and you know, the other, yeah, we need to
1: retire the chain. He has taken just, he's been crapped on for 20 plus yeah. years here. Let's retire Trent Dilfer. Yeah,
0: let's retire him. But, but you know, there's other quarterbacks that weren't world beaters and are not hall famers who won their team super bowls because they were amazing game managers. And that's all we asked Richard to do. And it seems like, you know, he can and can't and can't and can. And, and we don't know how to feel as, as Falcons fans. So I, I'm, I'm, Confident, not confident, but I believe that he can go take us to the playoffs because our division is so bad. I believe that he can win a game if he can just manage a game. But you know, if he can be that Super Bowl quarterback, he—he's no Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, you know, won an MVP. Matt Ryan with all the 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 crap he takes from Falcons fans is the greatest quarterback Falcons I've ever had. You know, Mike Vick included uh, in that list. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't think anyone who's honest with themselves who knows football thinks uh, otherwise. And if we had Matt Ryan with this defense and offense, I think we would have a Super Bowl winning uh, uh, team because that quarterback position is so important. And as you see around the league, you can't, you know, kind of work your way around that to, a, and get a, a real Super Bowl caliber team. You, you can't just try to, you know, put a bandage on that and kind of just put a stopgap. No, you need a you need a real talented Super Bowl caliber quarterback to win Super Bowl, you know, go figure.
1: Yeah, I mean I think every the obvious example everybody would probably point to is what San Francisco is doing with Brock Purdy, but yeah. Brock Purdy's not turning the ball over. Like that that's the thing is the Falcons kind of could have been yeah. a lighter version of maybe that San Francisco where you're looking at a quarterback not many people expected to be part of a winning team and that the unit the defense is playing well the running game is there you've got some interesting weapons like drake london is really putting up like an underratedly great season uh after a little bit of a slow start but i i think he's he's been maybe the most consistent well Bajan is the best so like yeah definitely better than than kyle pitts and I'm, is kyle I'm kinda, hurt?
0: like is that the, i don't um, know
1: man we like i'm just like Mediocre now. Like we what, need to have a conversation about that soon. What, what's uh, it's, it's about time. I mean, like I don't. He so today he had two catches, twenty-two yards. But again, this is Kyle fourth like, overall top pick. Top pick. Yeah, like
0: you know, Pitts is is like we talked about the all season. Oh my god, when Kyle Pitts and Drake London get together, you better watch out. It's going to get crazy. And yeah. now we're just like,
1: <laughs> right. It's 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 hard to tell. Is it still? is he still hurt? Is he, is he healthy, but not back to 100%? Cause like, you know, an injury like that, you can be out there and kind of be healthy and not worried about re-injuring it, but still not kind of be all the way back. Right. Is it, you know, I know he just had his first kid. So like, that's awesome. But is it a mental thing there's there's a lot there I don't necessarily feel comfortable just totally speculating about uh, players poor performance but As it is totally up. fair to say that the production is not there no like, it's, the production it's not. has not been there at all
0: it, it's it's not and it's just like we'd be scary if Ritter could be what what Ritter should be if Kalpith, Drake Ludden, London like, and Drake's doing you know much better uh could be at, at their height and Bijan can you know do what he's our our run game could just do what they're doing, Defense do what they're doing. But if we had a couple pieces just you know fall into place, I guess every team could say that. Uh if, <laughs> if everyone played yeah. up to their potential, they'd be great. Uh, on paper, we looked pretty good. Our paper looked really good. We looked really good uh beginning of the season, preseason, when we were two and zero. we're like, oh my God, we're gonna make this happen. <laughs> we, we were so optimistic. And uh oh now my God. I, I uh, cautiously, cautiously optimistic that we could still make this work and and this helped and if i was optimistic over i'd say guys 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 look we gotta win even though all those mistakes imagine if we take those mistakes away imagine but i i realized that we can't take these mistakes away because it's part of who we are and so that's a problem because these mistakes will have us lose against the majority of teams and these mistakes have been here since the beginning of the season and these mistakes, um, unfortunately, even with the bye week, have not been fixed. So we'll see.
1: We'll see. Again, I, I you know, I, I feel I know where you're where you're coming from. I feel like some of the mistakes, one game, is a very small sample size, right? And the Desmond Ritter two turnovers—that's obviously going to be the kind of a bigger headline once the dust settles on on this win is, all right, are the turnovers really fixed? But again, I, I feel like the run game, the offensive line, they found something there. I feel like the defense, maybe it's nothing more than they just got a week rest after kind of carrying this team for the first 11 weeks of the season. Like yeah. that that right there may have I'm just been a chance. Watching to stay. Them. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm sure so they're I, tired I, they're of being tired. out there. If
0: I'm tired, but just watching them carry this team. This I team love watching them,
1: yeah. but it's like, just change the channel. Give me something else, right? Yeah. I need a yeah, new series to watch. Um, even though I love this one. So you mentioned kind of beating all the teams on paper and, and are the Falcons good enough to beat most of the teams on paper in the league? Maybe, maybe not, but I, I do think, I do think they're good enough on paper to beat the remaining teams on their schedule. So let's take a real quick look before we get out of here at kind of the remainder of the, uh, the season for Atlanta as they look to continue this playoff stretch run. I know I really like the share screen, uh, option that we got here. So you got at the New York jets, obviously coming up next week. I'm a wizard, man. Look it's at so these, cool.
0: but look at these teams. I, I I have not looked at the remaining teams on our schedule. We can win, like win out. There is no one here that is like, oh my gosh, they're the Tom Brady Patriots of old that we have no chance against. Oh my God, here comes Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes. Like there's no one here. There's no one, no one that is terrifying me. The Bears, the Saints, where we beat them. The Col- the Colts
1: are are better. Um, yeah, the Colts know. are like the Colts and the Bucks are maybe the two and the Saints, but like again, all three of those teams are very beatable. We beat, we beat, we, we already
0: beat the Bucks. We already beat the Saints. You mm-hmm. know, granted, I know it's the division, so anything can happen, but still, like the fact that we can beat those teams, we've beaten those teams. And uh, the, the Panthers, uh, we play the Panthers again? We already played them uh, before. Yeah, we
1: know. We got a okay, right uh, road okay. game at Carolina. Yeah. And then a road game against Chicago. A road game against New Orleans. So those are and and the Jets. So they got four of their final six on the road. That's going to be, you know, a little bit trickier. But then they've got two home games against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then the Indianapolis Colts. Again, that that Colts game is probably the uh the tricky one just based yeah. on what we've seen. Um so we already played on, the Panthers you know, and we beat them, right? The Panthers. Yes, yeah, we beat the Panthers in Week one, 24-10. Perfect. Um, so yeah, or the Falcons. We've beat, we yeah.
0: beaten everyone in our division. We're three 0 zero the division. That that's insane to me. That's great.
1: Yep, that's, and that's the important point. I yeah. mean, like that—that's the reason why. Again, you 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 keep winning your division games. This team's path to the playoffs was always going to be through the division. And I did, just to kind of put a button on this episode, and I'll wrap us Please. up here. But I heard I was listening to the Athletic Football Show uh, their preview for week 12, just on my drive in. And they were talking about, they didn't really go into the X's and O's of of this specific game, but they did want to mention just the importance in terms of the playoff picture for today's game. If the Falcons had lost today's game, their playoff chances would have dropped to 17%, which for all the talk, kind of all season long, as we've been like, yeah, but they're still in it because the NFC South is really bad and all that stuff. Like 17% would be really low. For the season. And at that point, the reality of the situation would be creeping in. With the win, they're at 40%, right? And so that still just shows that, that the odds makers like favor the Saints because I think the Saints are at 60%. But this was such a huge win for what it means for the rest of yeah. the season. So they kind of already have done a little bit of the hard part and they yeah. should be sitting nicely to control their destiny the rest of the way. And again, you get a the Jets team on the road next week. Like that should be a win, even though their defense is awesome at uh, Tampa Bay and carrot. But the voice in the back of my head, OV has been saying, yeah, we were saying this about Minnesota. We were saying this about Arizona. We've been saying this before. So the team just we has lost to kind of come lost out. The
0: worst teams. We lost the worst yeah. teams
1: in the NFL. and We got more oh. of them coming. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. Like yeah. you said, the, the rest of the way, but, but we're going to be here through all of it for the remainder of the season, hopefully into the uh, playoffs. Cause that would be nice. We've never done a, a playoff version of uh, this episode. Ovi. No,
0: it's, it's, it's time. We're, it's we're about due. time.
1: It's about time. We're so due. we are due. Uh, well, that will do it for us. Look at that. Look at that segue. Uh, <laughs> you guys can follow Ovi on Twitter at ovimahaley 34. You can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Check out our show on YouTube. Believe in Falcons. Nice and simple as always. Today's podcast was presented by BetOnline. That will do it for us today, recapping a lovely 24-15 home win to kickstart the second half of the season. Until next time, everybody, take care.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.